Section 17 of Famous Adventures and Prison Escapes of the Civil War by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 17 Escape of General Breckinridge, Part 2. Though outnumbered three to one, still we were well under cover in our boat and could rake each canoe as it came up. We determined to take all the chances and to open fire as soon as they came within range i told russell to try a shot at one some distance ahead of the others he broke two paddles on one side and hit one man not a bad beginning this canoe dropped to the rear at once the occupants of the others opened fire but their shooting was wild from the motions of their small craft the general tried and missed tom thought he could do better than his master and made a good line shot but short the general advised husbanding our ammunition until they came within easy range waiting a little while russell and the colonel fired together and the bowman in the nearest canoe rolled over nearly upsetting her they were now evidently convinced that we were in earnest and after giving us an ineffectual volley paddled together to hold a council of war soon a single canoe with three men started for us with a white flag we hove to and waited for them to approach when within hail i asked what was wanted a white man standing in the stern with two negroes paddling replied what did you fire on us for we are friends friends do not give chase to friends we wanted to find out who you are i told you who we are and if you are friends sell us some provisions come on shore and you can get what you want our wants were urgent and it was necessary if possible to make some terms with them but it would not be safe to venture near their lair again we told them that if they would bring us some supplies we would wait and pay them well in gold the promise of gold served as a bait to secure some concession after some parleying it was agreed that o'toole should go on shore in their canoe be allowed to purchase some provisions and return in two hours the buccaneer thought the time too short but i insisted that if o'toole were not brought back in two hours i would speak the first gunboat i met and return with her and have their nest of freebooters broken up time was important for we had noticed soon after we had started down the river a black column of smoke ascending from near the fort undoubtedly a signal to some of their craft in the vicinity to return for i felt convinced that they had other craft besides canoes at their disposal hence their anxiety to detain us o'toole was told to be as dumb as an oyster as to ourselves but wide awake as to the designs of our dubious friends the general gave him five eagles for his purchase tribute money he jumped into the canoe and all returned to the fort we dropped anchor underfoot to await his return keeping a sharp lookout for any strange sail the two hours passed in pleasant surmises as to what he would bring off another half hour passed and no sign of his return and we began to despair of our anticipated feast and of o'toole a bright young irishman whose good qualities had endeared him to us all the anchor was up and slowly with a light breeze we drew away from the river debating what should be our next move the fort was shut in by a projecting point and three or four miles had passed when the welcome sight of a canoe astern made us heave to 
it was o'toole with two negroes a bag of hard bread two hams and some rusty salt pork sweet potatoes fruit and most important of all two breakers of water and a keg of new england rum while o'toole gave us his experience a ham was cut and a slice between two of hardtack washed down with the jorum of rum and water with a dessert of oranges and bananas was a feast to us more enjoyable than any ever eaten at delmonico's or the cafe riche on his arrival on shore our ambassador had been taken to the quarters of major valdez who claimed to be an officer of the federals and by him he was thoroughly cross-examined he had heard of the breaking up of the confederacy but not of the capture of mr davis and was evidently sceptical of our story as to being wreckers and connected us in some way with the losing party either as persons of note or a party escaping with treasure however o'toole baffled all his queries and was proof against both blandishments and threats he learned what he had expected that they were looking for the return of a schooner hence the smoke signal and the anxiety to detain us as long as possible it was only when he saw us leaving after waiting over two hours that the major permitted him to make a few purchases and rejoin us night coming on found us inside of key biscayne the beginning of the system of innumerable keys or small islands extending from this point to the tortugas nearly two hundred miles east and west at the extremity of the peninsula of coral formation as soon as it is built up to the surface of the water it crumbles under the action of the sea and sun sea-fowl rest upon it dropping the seed of some marine plants or the hard mangrove is washed ashore on it and its all-embracing roots soon spread in every direction so are formed these keys darkness and shoal water warned us to anchor we passed an unhappy night fighting mosquitoes as the sun rose we saw to the eastward a schooner of thirty or forty tons standing down toward us with a light wind no doubt it was one from the fort sent in pursuit up anchor up sail out sweeps and we headed down biscayne bay a shoal sheet of water between the reefs and mainland the wind rose with the sun and being to windward the schooner had the benefit of it first and was fast overhauling us the water was shoaling which i was not sorry to see for our draught must have been from two to three feet less than that of our pursuer and we recognized that our best chance of escape was by drawing him into shoal water while keeping afloat ourselves by the color and break of the water i saw that we were approaching a part of the bay where the shoals appeared to extend nearly across with narrow channels between them like the furrows of a ploughed field with occasional openings from one channel into another some of the shoals were just awash others bare ahead was a reef on which there appeared but very little water i could see no opening into the channel beyond to attempt to haul by the wind on either tack would bring us in a few minutes under fire of the schooner now coming up hand over hand i ordered the ballast to be thrown overboard and determined as our only chance to attempt to force her over the reef she was headed for what looked like a little breakwater on our port bow as the ballast went overboard we watched the bottom anxiously the water shoaled rapidly 
and the grating of the keel over the coral with that peculiar tremor most unpleasant to a seaman under any circumstances told us our danger as the last of the ballast went overboard she forged ahead and then brought up together we went overboard and sank to our waists in the black pasty mud through which at intervals branches of rotten coral projected which only served to make the bottom more treacherous and difficult to work on relieved of a half ton of our weight our sloop forged ahead three or four lengths and then brought up again we pushed her forward some distance but as the water lessened notwithstanding our efforts she stopped looking astern we saw the schooner coming up wing and wing not more than a mile distant certainly the prospect was blue but one chance was left to sacrifice everything in the boat without hesitation overboard went the provisions except a few biscuits the oars were made fast to the main sheet alongside and a breaker of water the anchor and chain all spare rope indeed everything that weighed a pound was dropped alongside and then three on each side our shoulders under the boat's bilges at the word we lifted together and foot by foot moved her forward sometimes the water would deepen a little and relieve us again it would shoal between the coral branches we would sink at times to our necks in the slime and water our limbs lacerated with the sharp projecting points fortunately the wind helped us keeping all sail on thus for more than a hundred yards we toiled until the water deepened and the reef was passed wet foul bleeding with hardly strength enough to climb into the boat we were safe at last for a time as we cleared the shoal the schooner hauled by the wind and opened fire from a nine or twelve pounder but we were at long range and the firing was wild with a fair wind we soon opened the distance between us general breckinridge thoroughly used up threw himself down in the bottom of the boat at which tom always on the lookout for his master's comfort said mars john s'pose you take a little rum and water this proposal stirred us all the general rose saying uh, yes indeed tom i will but where is the rum supposing it had been sacrificed with everything else i sees you pitchin everything away i just put this jug in here cause i allowed you'd want some opening a locker in the transom he took out the jug never was a potion more grateful we were faint and thirsty and it acted like a charm and bringing up on another reef we were ready for another tussle fortunately this proved only a short lift in the meantime the schooner had passed through the first reef by an opening as her skipper was undoubtedly familiar with these waters still another shoal was ahead instead of again lifting our sloop over it i hauled by the wind and stood for what looked like an opening to the eastward our pursuers were on the opposite tack and fast approaching a reef intervened and when a beam distant about half a mile they opened fire both with their small arms and boat gun the second shot from the latter was well directed it grazed our mast and carried away the luff of the mainsail several minnie-balls struck on our sides without penetrating we did not reply and kept under cover when abreast of a break in the reef we up helm and again went off before the wind the schooner was now satisfied that she could not overhaul us and stood off to the northward 
free from our enemy we were now able to take stock of our supplies and determine what to do our provisions consisted of about ten pounds of hard bread a twenty-gallon breaker of water two-thirds full and three gallons of rum really a fatality appeared to follow us as regards our commissariat beginning with our first drenching on the st john's every successive supply had been lost and now what we had bought with so much trouble yesterday the sellers compelled us to sacrifice to-day but our first care was to ballast the sloop for without it she was so crank as to be unseaworthy this was not an easy task the shore of all the keys as well as that of the mainland in sight was low and swampy and covered to the water's edge with a dense growth of mangroves what made matters worse we were without any ground tackle at night we were up to elliot's key and anchored by making fast to a sweep shoved into the muddy bottom like a shad pole when the wind went down the mosquitoes came off in clouds we wrapped ourselves in the sails from head to feet with only our nostrils exposed at daylight we started again to the westward looking for a dry spot where we might land get ballast and possibly some supplies a few palm trees rising from the mangroves indicated a spot where we might find a little terra firma going in as near as was prudent we waded ashore and found a small patch of sand and coral elevated a few feet above the everlasting swamp some six or eight coca palms rose to the height of forty or fifty feet and under their umbrella-like tops we could see the bunches of green fruit it was a question how to get at it without saying a word tom went on board the boat brought off a piece of canvas cut a strip a yard long tied the ends together and made two holes for his big toes the canvas stretched between his feet embraced the rough bark so that he rapidly ascended he threw down the green nuts and cutting through the thick shell we found about half a pint of milk the general suggested a little milk punch all the trees were stripped and what we did not use we saved for sea stores to ballast our sloop was our next care the jib was unbent the sheet and head were brought together and made into a sack this was filled with sand and slung on an oar was shouldered by two and carried on board leaving us so engaged the general started to try to knock over some of the numerous waterfowl in sight he returned in an hour thoroughly used up from his struggles in the swamp but with two pelicans and a white crane in the stomach of one of the first were a dozen or more mullet from six to nine inches in length which had evidently just been swallowed we cleaned them and wrapping them in palmetto leaves roasted them in the ashes and they proved delicious tom took the birds in hand and as he was an old campaigner who had cooked everything from a stalled ox to a crow we had faith in his ability to make them palatable he tried to pick them but soon abandoned it and skinned them we looked on anxiously ready after our first course of fish for something more substantial he broiled them and with a flourish laid one before the general on a clean leaf saying i's feared marsh john it's tough as an old muscovy drake let me try it tom after some exertion he cut off a mouthful while we anxiously awaited the verdict without a word he rose and disappeared into the bushes returning in a few minutes he told tom to remove the game 
his tone and expression satisfied us that pelican would not keep us from starving the colonel thought the crane might be better but a taste satisfied us that it was no improvement hungry and tired it was nearly night before we were ready to move and warned by our sanguinary experience of the previous night we determined to haul off from the shore as far as possible and get outside the range of the mosquitoes it was now necessary to determine upon our future course we had abandoned all hope of reaching the bahamas and the nearest foreign shore was that of cuba distant across the gulf stream from our present position about two hundred miles or three or four days sail with the winds we might expect at this season with the strictest economy our provisions would not last so long however nearly a month in the swamps and among the keys of florida in the month of june had prepared us to face almost any risk to escape from those shores and it was determined to start in the morning for cuba well out in the bay we hove to and passed a fairly comfortable night next day early we started for caesar's canal a passage between elliott's key and key largo the channel was crooked and puzzling, leading through a labyrinth of mangrove islets, around which the current of the Gulf Stream was running like a sluice. We repeatedly got aground when we would jump aboard and push off, so we worked all day before we were clear of the keys and outside among the reefs, which extend three or four miles beyond waiting again for daylight we threaded our way through them and with a light breeze from the eastward steered south thankful to feel again the pulsating motion of the ocean several sail and one steamer were in sight during the day but all at a distance constant exposure had tanned us the color of mahogany and our legs and feet were swollen and blistered from being so much in the salt water and the action of the hot sun on them made them excessively painful fortunately but little exertion was now necessary and our only relief was in lying still with an impromptu awning over us general breckinridge took charge of the water and rum doling it out at regular intervals a tot at a time determined to make it last as long as possible toward evening the wind was hardly strong enough to enable us to hold our own against the stream at ten carriesford light was abeam and soon after a dark bank of clouds rising in the eastern sky betokened a change of wind and weather everything was made snug and lashed securely with two reefs in the mainsail and the bonnet taken off the jib i knew from experience what we might expect from summer squalls in the straits of florida i took the helm the general the sheet colonel wilson was stationed by the halyards russell and o'toole were prepared to bail tom thoroughly demoralized was already sitting in the bottom of the boat between the general's knees the sky was soon completely overcast with dark lowering clouds the darkness which could almost be felt was broken every few minutes by lurid streaks of lightning chasing one another through black abysses fitful gusts of wind were the heralds of the coming blast great drops of rain fell like the scattering fire of a skirmish line and with a roar like a thousand trumpets we heard the blast coming giving us time only to lower everything and get the stern of the boat to it for our only chance was to run with the storm until the rough edge was taken off and then heave to i cried all hands down 
as the gale struck us with the force of a thunderbolt carrying a wall of white water with it which burst over us like a cataract i thought we were swamped as i clung desperately to the tiller though thrown violently against the boom but after the shock our brave little boat though half filled rose and shook herself like a spaniel the mast bent like a whip-stick and i expected to see it blown out of her but gathering way we flew with the wind the surface was lashed into foam as white as the driven snow the lightning and artillery of the heavens were incessant blinding and deafening involuntarily we bowed our heads utterly helpless soon the heavens were opened and the floods came down like a waterspout i knew then that the worst of it had passed and though one fierce squall succeeded another each one was tamer the deluge too helped to beat down the sea to give an order was impossible for i could not be heard i could only during the flashes make signs to russell and o'toole to bail tying themselves and their buckets to the thwarts they went to work and soon relieved her of a heavy load from the general direction of the wind i knew without compass or any other guide that we were running to the westward and i feared were gradually approaching the dreaded reefs where in such a sea our boat would have been reduced to matchwood in a little while therefore without waiting for the wind or sea to moderate i determined to heave to hazard as it was to attempt anything of the kind giving the colonel the helm i lashed the end of the gaff to the boom and then loosed enough of the mainsail to goose-wing it or make a leg of mutton sail of it then watching for a lull or a smooth time i told him to put the helm a starboard and let her come too on the port tack head to the southward and at the same time i hoisted the sail she came by the wind quickly without shipping a drop of water but as i was securing the halyards the colonel gave her too much helm bringing the wind on the other bow the boom flew round and knocked my feet from under me and overboard i went fortunately her way was deadened and as i came up i seized the sheet and with the general's assistance scrambled on board for twelve hours or more i did not trust the helm to any one the storm passed over to the westward with many a departing growl and threat but the wind still blew hoarsely from the eastward with frequent gusts against the stream making a heavy sharp sea in the trough of it the boat was becalmed but as she rose on the crest of the waves even the little sail set was as much as she could stand up under and she had to be nursed carefully for if she had fallen off one breaker would have swamped us or any accident to sail or spar would have been fatal but like a gull on the waters our brave little craft rose and breasted every billow by noon the next day the weather had moderated sufficiently to make more sail and the sea went down at the same time then hungry and thirsty tom was thought of during the gale he had remained in the bottom of the boat as motionless as a log as he was roused up he asked mars john where is you a was you goin for de lord i never want to see a boat again come tom get us something to drink and see if there is anything left to eat said the general but tom was helpless the general served out a small ration of water and rum every drop of which was precious 
our small store of bread was found soaked but laid in the sun it partly dried and was if not palatable at least a relief to hungry men during the next few days the weather was moderate and we stood to the southward several sail were in sight but at a distance we were anxious to speak one even at some risk for our supplies were down to a pint of rum in water each day under a tropical sun with two water-soaked biscuits on the afternoon of the second day a brig drifted slowly down toward us we made signals that we wished to speak her and getting out our sweeps pulled for her as we neared her the captain hailed and ordered us to keep off i replied that we were shipwrecked men and only wanted some provisions as we rounded to under his stern we could see that he had all his crew of seven or eight men at quarters he stood on the taffrail with a revolver in hand his two mates with muskets the cook with a huge tormentor and the crew with handspikes i tell you again keep off or i'll let fly captain we won't go on board if you will give us some provisions we are starving keep off i tell you boys make ready one of the mates drew a bead on me our eyes met in a line over the sights on the barrel i held up my right hand will you fire on an unarmed man captain you are no sailor or you would not refuse to help shipwrecked men how do i know who you are and i've got no grub to spare here is a passenger who is able to pay you said i pointing to the general yes i will pay for anything you let us have the captain now held a consultation with his officers and then said i'll give you some water and bread i've got nothing else but you must not come alongside a small keg or breaker was thrown overboard and picked up with a bag of fifteen or twenty pounds of hardtack this was the reception given us by the brig neptune of banger but when the time and place are considered we cannot wonder at the captain's precautions for a more piratical-looking party than we never sailed the spanish main general breckinridge bronzed the color of mahogany unshaven with long moustache wearing a blue flannel shirt open at the neck exposing his broad chest with an old slouch hat was a typical buccaneer thankful for what we had received we parted company doubtless the captain reported on his arrival home a blood-curdling story of his encounter with pirates off the coast of cuba mars john i thought the war was done why didn't you tell dem folks who you was queried tom the general told tom they were yankees and would not believe us as dar any yankees where you goin cause if dar is we best go back to old kentucky he was made easy on this point and with an increase in our larder became quite perky a change in the color of the water showed us that we were on soundings and had crossed the stream and soon after we came in sight of some rocky islets which i recognized as double-headed shot keys thus fixing our position for our chart with the rest of our belongings had disappeared or had been destroyed by water and as the heavens by day and night were our only guide our navigation was necessarily very uncertain for the next thirty miles our course to the southward took us over salt key bank where the soundings varied from three to five fathoms but so clear was the water that it was hard to believe that the coral the shells and the marine flowers were not within arm's reach 
fishes of all sizes and colors darted by us in every direction the bottom of the bank was a constantly varying kaleidoscope of beauty but to starving men with not a mouthful in our grasp this display of food was tantalizing russell who was an expert swimmer volunteered to dive for some conches and shellfish oysters there were none asking us to keep a sharp lookout on the surface of the water for sharks which generally swim with the dorsal fin exposed he went down and brought up a couple of live conches about the size of a man's fist breaking the shell we drew the quivering body out without its coat it looked like a huge grub and not more inviting the general asked tom to try it glory mars john i'm mighty hungry never so hungry since we been in de army and i'm just ready for old mule polecat or anything cept dis worm after repeated efforts to dissect it we agreed with tom and found it not more edible than a pickled football however russell diving again brought up bivalves with a very thin shell and beautiful colors in shape like a large peapod these we found tolerable they served to satisfy in some small degree our craving for food the only drawback was that eating them produced great thirst which is much more difficult to bear than hunger we found partial relief in keeping our heads and bodies wet with salt water on the sixth day from the florida coast we crossed nicholas channel with fair wind soon after we made the cuban coast and stood to the westward hoping to sight something which would determine our position after a run of some hours just outside of the coral reefs we sighted in the distance some vessels at anchor as we approached a large town was visible at the head of the bay which proved to be cardenas we offered prayerful thanks for our wonderful escape and anchored just off the custom house and waited some time for the health officer to give us practique but as no one came off in answer to our signals we went on shore to report at the custom house it was some time before i could make them comprehend that we were from florida and anxious to land their astonishment was great at the size of our boat and they could hardly believe we had crossed in it our arrival produced as much sensation as would that of a liner we might have been filibusters in disguise the governor-general had to be telegraphed to numerous papers were made out and signed a register was made out for the sloop no name then we had to make a visit to the governor before we were allowed to go to a hotel to get something to eat after a cup of coffee and a light meal i had a warm bath and donned some clean linen which our friends provided we were overwhelmed with attentions and when the governor-general telegraphed that general breckinridge was to be treated as one holding his position and rank the officials became as obsequious as they had been overbearing and suspicious the next day one of the governor-general's aides-de-camp arrived from havana and with an invitation for the general and the party to visit him which we accepted and after two days rest took the train for the capital a special car was placed at our disposal and on our arrival the general was received with all the honors we were driven to the palace had a long interview and dined with governor-general concha 
the transition from a small open boat at sea naked and starving to the luxuries and comforts of civilized life was as sudden as it was welcome and thoroughly appreciated at havana our party separated general breckinridge and colonel wilson have since crossed the great river russell and o'toole returned to florida i should be glad to know what has become of faithful tom end of section seventeen end of famous adventures and prison escapes of the civil war by various